This is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. Rule number one is you have to believe in yourself. You're the only one who doesn't think you belong in this appointment. The prospect has already validated your existence by scheduling time with you. Get it through your head you belong here. Go in there, crush it, and close the deal. A place where sales professionals can come to learn from other sales professionals and thought leaders that have mastered their craft. The difference between a good salesperson and a best-in-class salesperson is only two minutes. By spending an extra two minutes on what you might think is a mundane task in the sales game, you separate yourselves from the pack, you grow your book of business, you close more deals, and you retain your accounts. As well as their peers who are still striving for perfection to achieve their why. I have a wife and four kids. Failure is not an option. Real sales professionals. Real stories. Real results. It's no different than being a professional baseball player. You can't be a one-trick pony. You have to be a five-tool player in order to succeed in this game. This is the Power Producers Podcast. Production redefined. Are you ready to feel the power? Hey, everybody. It is the Power Producers Podcast, where we are refining and redefining the sales game. And today... Kyle and I have Mr. Cameron Brown from Arizona on with us. What's going on, Cameron? Not much. Thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. So, you know, as we typically do, we like for everybody to kind of give a little bit about their backstory because the one thing that I found out after almost 20 years in this industry is that very few people thought they were going to be in this industry. <laughs> so I'm sure you got a backstory, man. Let's hear it. Sure. Um, speaking of that, I uh, went to school for uh, mechanical engineering and design. So there you go. Um, I hated school. In high school, I decided that uh, I wasn't going to go to college. I was going to go to the military. So signed up for the Marines and went through all the uh, all the physicals and everything, and got denied. So I was born with a ten percent nerve deafness, which never affected anything except getting into the military. Hmm. So forced me to uh, go to school when I really didn't want to out of high school. Um, started that first semester and basically just uh, dropped out. I didn't like it, hated it, didn't want to do it. Dropped out. My parents kicked me out of the house um, before I was 18. So lived in a trailer for two years working in a factory and decided, you know what, maybe school's not that bad. Did so, you come from a really conservative home too? I yeah. think you and I talked about this when we were out in San Diego that, you know, I, I liken my first year of college to when they let the Amish go out into the wild for a year. So they so their oats. The, the only thing I was missing was the beard and no mustache and the horse and buggy. <laughs> and, and, and like you, you know, well, I shouldn't say like you, but I got to school and I, I should have dropped out, but I had way too much fun there. So I at least wrote it out for the first year while somebody else was paying for me to be there. And then life hit at the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, I grew up, my uh, dad was a pastor in a Pentecostal church assemblies of God. So it was forced to go to church five times a week. Um, no school dances except senior prom. I was able to get them to let me go to, um, it was pretty brutal, you know, never enjoyed that. But, uh, once I could get away from that, I, I did, you know, um, I'm a big it's believer. 
It's yeah. crazy, man. It, you know, it, I, I'm the same way. You know, I look at I, I, it wasn't nearly that conservative and that much church attendance, but it was guaranteed Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday evening we were going to be there. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just I, with my kids, I've taken a completely different approach. I, obviously, I want them to have, you know, a spiritual life and some in, in some religious belief, but I don't want to cram it down their throat because I saw what happened to me. Yeah, that's exactly what's happened to me. And since then, just, uh, you know, I haven't really been back in the church per se as much, but just focused on just being all around good people, you know, um, doing what you can for everybody and helping where you can and just be a good person, you know. So, yeah, that was my upbringing and part of the reason why once I got to college, it didn't work out. Um, But then after working in that factory for two years, you know, I got back into college, went to school. Um, at that point, I was putting my own myself through school, so working. And by the time I hit the 400-level engineering courses, trying to work 40 hours a week, dude, I got kicked out. I couldn't hold the GPA. Mm. So by that time, I already had my engineering job. You know, I've been working through school. So I just went on full-time there, or stayed full-time. And after 9-11, I lost that job because they sent their engineering department overseas. Mm-hmm. So I called up my old man and he's like, are you ready to go into sales? Like I've been all my life. Cause he, he quit being a pastor my senior year, right after my senior year and went into sales. So post pastor and before pre pastor, he was always in sales, but uh, he told me to be smarter than him and go into insurance. So I went online, got my insurance PNC license and got out the yellow pages back then started dialing, looking for a job and had an interview that afternoon and started the next day. So nice. I worked for state farm for a year and then moved over to Allstate for two years as employee. Thought I was going to open up shop in one of the big dogs like that. And after three years there, I decided to go independent in 05 and here we are 15 years later. What made you want to go independent from being at both of those joints? Both of those, I saw corporate at um, State Farm. It was a startup agent I worked for. All of a sudden, they put a moratorium on new business that they could write. We could only write like 20 apps a month because they were trying to slow their growth and their losses. So I got this new agent that I'm working for, and we were done writing business the first week and just sitting there twiddling our thumbs for three weeks telling people, I can quote you on the first next month. (laughs) <laughs> then I went to Allstate and uh, they got a letter one day from corporate saying that they were cutting all property commissions from 20% down to 10%, just like that immediately. So all of a sudden they lost 25% of their revenue, you know, no other choices, no other options, you know, plus I was uh, tracking everything that we were referring out to an independent broker and that broker was writing a ton more than I was writing in house. So I was like, I want to be that guy. Yeah, it's interesting, man. There's a lot of people that make good coin off of is independence off of getting referrals from captives. Yeah. Yeah. To date, we've got over 90 captives that uh, send us business regularly. Wow. That, that's why you're so uh, able to freely give out the amount of leads you do online. Good God, man. I don't think it's an official day. I can't lay my head on the pillow if I haven't seen Cameron asking if there's somebody somewhere <laughs> They can yeah. handle something, you know, yep. it's all, it's, it's never ending. Yeah. Yep. We get a ton of uh, referrals leads and they're not always just in Arizona or where we can write. So, you know, try to spread the wealth. So you opened your independent agency. You had basically three years of experience working for a captive before you did it. Yeah. What, what was that experience like? 
Dude, at the time, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, obviously. Um, knew nothing about commercial. Didn't know anything about independent carriers. So there wasn't the aggregators and cluster groups that there are available now. Um, I ended up joining a franchise back then that seemed like the best bet called Brook Insurance. Um, you buy in, they give you access to all the carriers, they take a percentage and yada, yada. Well, I had a three-year plan, buy in, get the relationships with the carriers and get out and be completely independent. Um, never trusted the commission statements I was receiving, always questioned them. Um, while I was in school, I did have a math minor, so that the accounting side and number side was easy. Ends up in 2008, after, when the market crashed and everything, they went belly up at corporate level. Mm. So we stopped receiving commissions altogether. Uh, we had a, we ended up in a four-year lawsuit from 08 to 2012. Started out at like 600 franchisee owners, and at the end, I think there was less than 60 of us left standing. You know, they mm. put everybody else out of business with lawyer fees. Um, so, so that was a lot. There's a lot of details in there too that we can get on probably another time, but uh, not enough time here. Um, but as far as learning the independent side, dude, it's just building those relationships with those underwriters. And they were my best friends. I was on the phone with them all the time. Hey, how do I do this? What do I need for this? I never said no to any phone call I got. You know, I'm like, yeah, we can do that. You know, and you figure it out. You send gift baskets, gift cards to the underwriters. And just learned it that way, man. Dude, chocolate covered strawberries and yep. spa day gift cards work wonders. All day long. So you went in, you know, for all practical purposes, man, completely blind, you know, yeah. to, as far as being an agency owner. What's the worst thing that happened to you in your first little bit? Um, or, or what was what as you were getting ramped up and learning and getting set up? What's the worst thing that happened? And I'm I, also going to ask you the best thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, I learned real quick what happens when you BOR a large policy midterm if a carrier lets it. You know, the first uh, year or two, I was like, oh, sweet, here's a $30,000 account just willing to BOR to me, you know. And then a month later, they cancel. Guess who got hit with the commission chargeback? You know? Yeah, it's funny, man. I, I have a similar story. I've got actually two of them. And I would say the, the two things that have hit me the worst are we, for the right opportunities that are large enough, we do we service fee business. And my entire career, I've never really had a problem with it. And literally within an 18-month span, I had two companies that were on service fee. And what that means is rather than us taking a commission from the placement of the insurance product, we net the commission out. So the premium drops and we bill the client directly like an accountant or an attorney would. Yeah. Well, guess what? I had both of these accounts within 18 months of each other went belly up and my fee was not taken care of. And I mean, it was not a little bit, I mean, probably right now the, the receivables just from those two is about 130,000 bucks. So yeah. that wasn't new. Like that wasn't me new in business. That was within the last year and a half, two years. The one that really caught me by surprise I wouldn't say by surprise, but the one that I didn't plan for appropriately is similar to what, what you went through, uh, but specific to excess and surplus lines where, you know, people bounce a down payment check or, you know, you run into minimum premium that that, that they're responsible for. And just the chargebacks 
from that alone, um, I got hit pretty hard with some of that stuff. Thankfully, I fought through it and was able to get everything squared away. But it was a really, really expensive lesson for me. I mean, it was it was definitely stupid taxes, as Dave Ramsey would say. Yeah, sure. So talk a little bit about your agency now, man. I mean, you've you've built a pretty good shop out there, right? And you've got a, a good number of people. What are you guys doing these days? Yeah, these days we um, we finally wisened up uh, at the end of last year and got rid of our ENS you know, for the most part. Uh, we'll only write any ENS business now if we've got accommodating lines through our preferred carriers and we want to keep the account. Um, built it up. We, uh, we we're just over 10 million premium, uh, about a million and a half revenue right now. I've got 10 licensed agents working for me as W2 employees. So no producers. Um, we've got one VA working for us and getting ready to bring on another VA. Um, the last three years, uh, three years ago, I wisened up as well and decided I'm no longer going to be in the day to day operations. So, um, I passed off the, commercial quoting and all that kind of stuff to a team member and just started running everything. And I promised the team in December of 2017 that after 12 years, we were going to double in the next three years. And we just cleared that hurdle. Less than three That's years awesome, later. man. So, um, the team doesn't know it yet, but uh, I'm probably telling them the same thing this year at the Christmas party. We're going to double again <laughs> in the next three years. So wow, good man. It's interesting. Once the snowball starts getting a little bit of momentum, it, it's a lot easier to to do that. You know, you would think that it would be when your numbers were smaller that you know, well, we did two hundred thousand in premium this year, so we're gonna do we're gonna double and be at four hundred thousand, and then next year we're gonna double and be at eight hundred. But honestly, um, I really think it's easier once you have that. Once, for me, it's been hitting that third – when we hit the third year and then now into the the fourth year, we're actually into our fifth year. It, it really is is clicking on all cylinders. I mean – Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fun to watch, man. It's fun to watch when you get there for sure. So talk a little bit about lead gen. What are you guys doing out there for, for lead gen? Anything – anything out of the ordinary it seems like because you guys are what, what's your mix personal to commercial we are probably 65 percent personal lines 35 percent commercial lines um no life or health virtually i mean no nah, uh, we don't do any either we we root for all that out to highland capital i mean we yeah. talk about it but i don't want to look i'm not that intelligent i can only remember so much stuff man and exactly. it's much easier if i'm if I'm going to talk to somebody about a buy sell agreement or key man or something like that, I want the guy who does that all day, every day to be the one who has that conversation. My thoughts. Exactly. Are you, are you taking a strategy? I mean, obviously you said you're getting a a good chunk from captives. Are you, are you following any of the other strategies that you typically see everybody doing regarding real estate agents and loan officers and all of that, or are you going a different direction? No, we kind of went a different direction. Um, I really started focusing on SEO and everything um, in 2016. We wrote only about 160000 in premium all of 2016 from SEO, okay, from Google searches. They found our website. They found us online. So I brought on a new guy to do our website. Uh, he had worked for Progressive uh, for a lot of years, learned what he could there, went out on his own. Um, he's done a remarkable job for us and 
you know, like I said, we were at 160 then. We were at 1.2 million last year just from SEO, Google searches, all organic from our website wow. last year. This year, we're trending to be probably around 1.5 just from that. What did he do? Dude, he just, he knows what he's doing with the website, man, with all the keywords and how he integrates everything, um, the constant blogging and all that. I mean, dude, I'm not. Well, you got somebody. You have somebody on your team. I, I've seen the videos, man. You've got a young lady that's on your team that's just crushing the video game right now. Yeah, we. Um, I she was my commercial agent for the last three years when I stepped away. She was starting to get burnt out last year. She's got a communications degree. So I told her, look, January 1, let's try something different. And I put her in that MYL course, and all she's doing for me, full-time video content. That's it. She's spitting out probably three videos a week, some products, some just little tips and tricks. you know. But the key to that is just consistency. Let me ask you this. You may or may not even know the question since you've got – you know, you're – I'm too far. I, what I'm learning from talking to you, Cameron, is I'm too far in the weeds, man. You're, uh, you, you figured out how to how to get your head above it all, and here I am with my nose in the middle of everything. But I'm interested with that video content, how that translates into blog posting and everything else. So, just, are you taking the videos and then turning them into uh, to blog posts so that you're ranking on keywords and stuff that way too? Or are those two things mutually exclusive right now? Right now they're exclusive. Uh, we've just actually recently started talking about that to get them to kind of coincide and overlap a little bit more just to drive that. Um, so that's something that I'm in talks with our web guy about currently. You know, I'm going to tell you what, man. I Ryan Hanley put me onto this, and I owe him for it. It's one of the best things that's happened to me because I put out a ridiculous amount of video content too. And uh, when I'm on my game, I've slowed down a little bit because I, I was sick for a couple of weeks there. But, um, you know, one of the things that, that I learned about all of that was the sequencing of, of how to get your content distributed the most efficient way possible. And so I had always done the video because it was quick and easy. And I, I was in Made You Look with or am in Made You Look with, mm-hmm. with Nick and them, too. But, you know quick and easy with your cell phone to do a video on a quick topic for two or three minutes. You know, I just turn and burn on the fly. Whatever's on my head, I just rattle it off and I'm done. Ryan introduced me to a website called Rev where you can take your video and upload it and it'll transcribe it for $1.25 a minute. So now, you know, my thing with content production is pretty simple. It's the first thing I do every day. Like I already am thinking about what my content tomorrow is going to be so that I can hit that video first thing in the morning and I'll do the video. I'll get it into Adobe premiere. I'll put the the intro, the bumper, the video and the outro pop the music track and the logo watermark on there and everything. I'm done in five or I'm literally done with the editing in like probably three or four minutes. Then it has to, you know, render and be exported, but then I immediately go and upload it to rev. I immediately go and upload to Clipscribe, which is who I use to create the subtitles and stuff in the videos. And then I go on about my business. Then I get an email that tells me that my transcript from Rev is ready, that my subtitles are ready. I'll go in, I'll audit, I'll edit the subtitles just to make sure that they transcribed right. I'll upload the video to YouTube. Once it gets uploaded, I go to Thumbnail Blaster, where which is who I use to make my thumbnails, get the thumbnail on there, get the embed code, go to my website, copy and paste the rev stuff, 
embed the video and I'm done. That sounds like it's a long time. It's not. It's like literally 30 minutes worth of work to get that post up. Whereas it would probably have taken me an hour to an hour and a half before. So now sometimes I'll do two, two of them and two or three of them in a morning, just when I get in the groove to knock them out and schedule them so that I'm always hitting that two or three times a week. I have a new stuff come out, but that may be something you want to look at as you look to move some of your video content over mm-hmm. to, to the written word. Uh, Rev is a lifesaver, man. It was, awesome. I'm, it's been really cool. Yeah. I'll definitely look into that, man. That sounds, that sounds great. Especially what we're looking for as far as moving forward. Yeah. What are you guys doing on the commercial side to generate new business? Do you have outside producers or is everything inbound? No, everything's inbound right now. We're, um, we're trying, we're, so we're, you know, we do a lot of general stuff, unfortunately, with uh, all of our referral sources and everything. We get a little bit of everything. We're trying to really narrow down and focus on probably four to six niches and then start just really hammering the content out there, you know, for those just to drive more of that to us. Do you have those so niches already mapped out? We're no something we're working on right now, literally. Gotcha. We're just narrowing down that, you know, with the carriers that we have and all that. Yeah, I think you'll find you'll be a lot more productive if you if you drill down into niches that way. Yeah. Um, you know, it's tough when you when you have a lot of your it's sort of a double edged sword, right? So when you have a lot of your business coming in from referral sources, you kind of have to take the bad with the with the good so that you can keep the referrals flowing. But, you know, from a going out and organically producing, whether it be via content or cold calling or dialing for dollars or whatever you're going to do, the more you can isolate yourself into, you know, I tell people three to five, five, six, whatever niches that that's all you're going to do. And you get your people programmed to not deviate from that. You're always going to write more business. Yeah, always. Yep. No, I know. I mean, I've heard it. I know it. I've seen it. And that's we're trying to make that transition right now, you know, after 15 years. Yeah, it's um, it's tough to do sometimes. And, you know, I, I I talk about it a lot, but I mean, I've walked away from accounts that are 100, 200,000 in premium just because it's the wrong thing for me to do. And I end up making it back in spades because I maintain my focus. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So. I don't know that I heard that you answered. Are you doing anything at all from an outside production standpoint? Like, or do you have anybody at all that's going out and cold calling or any of that I've right got, now? No, I've got one guy that we brought on. He is he is a he is a producer for us. He uh, for the last year, um, I've known him for a couple of years. Met him through a BNI group that I was part of. Um, he's got his hand in several different things. He's trying to narrow it down to just insurance while he fades out of the other businesses. Uh, he focuses on um, associations, property managers, you know, hmm. homeowners associations. He's had those contacts for the last 15 years with his other businesses. So he's got the warm circle there, you know, and everything. Uh, it's just a matter of him finding time to be able to go out, reach out to him and actually talk do about that. a niche. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's got some large ones, though. And, you know, he's been kind of practicing this past year on the smaller ones just because time won't allow him to hit the big ones yet. So hopefully this next year that starts bringing in a little bit more for him. Other than that, though, it's just all referral generated. You know, everything we've done, I, I haven't marketed or bought leads since 2007 when I stopped buying internet leads. It's been referral based and SEO driven ever since then. 
So how you said you have like 90 captives or so that are referring business. Like, I mean, how did you develop those relationships? When I worked for the three years prior to opening up the independent, you know, the one year with state farm and with a state farm agent, uh, she Mm -hmm. was in a, um, agency center, they called it. So there's like five or six agents that were fairly new that shared one office. Um, I kept those relationships. And then when I went to all States, you know, I had a couple of, you know, um, sources over there that we kept in touch with. And honestly, from there, it started out with like four agents. It just grew by word of mouth by them. You know, just, you take care of them. You don't cross sell the other lines that they want to keep, you know, you do everything you can for them. And it just grew from there. I was taking them out to a, um, I'd get a suite over at the ballpark once a year, just as a big thank you. And early on, I'd tell them, Hey, look, come on over and bring one of your, uh, agent friends with you, you know? So, you know, get there all, all the free booze, free food, watch a game and just mingle and schmooze with them. So, yeah, I don't remember who it was. You might, but back at innovation 2019, somebody had done a presentation on how to develop relationships with captives. And it was really more just like, like just grinding it out, right? Consistently dropping in, taking them donuts and coffee with not expecting anything in return, establishing those conversations and everything. It's an interesting strategy. I don't know. I may be completely ignorant. I don't know that it would work for us just because I don't think that number one in the middle market stuff that we go after, I don't even know what kind of, Nobody would be going to a captive no. looking for what we do. No. If they did, there's not a snowball's chance that captive wants to let go of that. You right. know, they're going to want they're going to want to split commissions with you 50-50 and then have you do all the work or whatever else. But I can see a spot for it in in, in personal lines and even mm-hmm. small commercial. What blows me away is when I hear all these people from all over the country talk about how competitive State Farm is on commercial auto in all of these other states. And until just this year, Kyle Not ran here. into an account. <laughs> yeah, but you ran into one account, one. right? That we're I waiting. was actually thinking about them today. That's funny you brought that up. Yeah, it, 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 would just, it was so random. You know, how, many, how many vehicles do they have? Well, actually, okay, so two, actually. Um, there's, yeah, yeah, so there, there, there's Okay, two. fine, just scrap um, everything I said. Apparently, but, Kyle knows No, no, well no, well, now you just made, well, okay, so now you just made me think of a completely other person, too, but um, they, the one that you're talking about has probably in the neighborhood of 20 vehicles. Which, that's crazy, man. That's like, <clears throat> really? State Farm? Yeah, that's I know. Real, yeah, and I, I never really got a reason on that. Um, I think it was just out of convenience and with whatever agent they were currently with. Um, and it just kind of happened. So, uh, yeah, that's definitely a conversation to be had here in the next couple months, but. Well, what's great. Yeah. What's crazy is like the premiums. Well, I don't know what that one looks like per se, but you know, Oh, you have yeah. 20 vehicles in your fleet. That's going to be $57 a unit for the year. Like right. you, you can't right. even compete with it. And that's the craziness people in Colorado I've heard. You know, it, it seems like out west more than anything else is where I've really heard that they they get competitive and crazy. But good, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like they're competitive here. I, I, I don't. I mean, otherwise we'd see it more often. I think. I mean, it seems like it's unreasonable here. Yeah, no, and well, I mean, plus, again, I don't think if you're a business owner, 
of, of, of any significant size, you're going to walk into the state farm office and ask for them to quote it for you. Right. Correct. Mm-hmm. But I've, I've run in, I've run into them on workers comp too. I didn't even know they wrote workers comp. No, I haven't. I don't know that I've seen that. So yeah, they don't write a whole lot out here when it comes to that stuff. Who are you writing with predominantly, Cameron? I mean, who are your big guns from a carrier standpoint? From a carrier standpoint, we write um, on the personal line side, auto owners, travelers, state auto. Um, state auto just recently, last couple of years. I mean, we traveled with them back in 2009. You know, I don't think we wrote another policy with them until 2017. You know, you know we don't, I don't think they're in Florida, right? Do you, I, would, I doubt it. Yeah, it's weird because like I know they're really, really big in Texas too. Like a lot of the people that I know in Texas are always talking about how aggressive State Auto is, but I've I don't I've never seen them here, so I'm assuming they're not. Yeah, no, I'm sure they. But it's it's weird. I mean, they're they're one of those carriers that again I don't know, man. I guess it's like everything else in life. But somebody will post an IAOA about State Auto. Half the people like it, half the people hate it. Yeah. You know? Yep. So, whatever. Whatever. Depends on where you're at. Yeah. But you guys just recently got appointed with auto owners too, right? I remember us talking about that. Yep. We got appointed with them. Um, I think it was June of last year. Um, and they, you know, they came to me. It, we weren't looking for an, another carrier, but uh, they came to me and I look, heard what they had to say and asked for some samples, see how they're hitting and everything, and ended up it just it was going to be a good fit for us. So we ended up profit sharing with them uh, in less than the seven months or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I laugh at that because we we got appointed with them midway through September, and we put a, a really nice chunk of business with them by the end of the year. And I'm like, yes, we nailed this. And then I find out in February that it was off of earned premium. So I couldn't even – we had no chance of any kind of significant earned premium from the second week of September to the end of the year. So I'm really pumped about what that profit sharing check looks like this year. Oh yeah. This will be like, this will be my first year of being in business where I've had like legitimate profit sharing. It's taken me four and a half years to get there. Part of the reason for that though, is because so much of what we do goes to monoline workers comp carriers. Sure. And, you know, Amtrust is probably the one that I would have been the closest to doing that with, but they, we, this will be our first year with, I just signed the paperwork for the profit sharing plan in the last couple of weeks with them too. The carriers have been good to us in that I've actually been given extra commission points as incentives on the front. So I'm cool with taking a little more commission and and not getting, you know, the profit sharing because a, the commission is not contingent on my loss ratio or whatever, but yeah, take guaranteed all day long. Yeah. It's so that that's been, that's been good. Dude, there are so many agencies in your area. Like literally I've got to believe you could walk out of your office and see like five other guys that I know. You go a half a mile East. There's an agent. You go a half mile West. There's an agent. You go a mile or two North and there's two agents. Dude, Gilbert, I was, I was, I think I, I was the first independent agency for a lot of our carriers back in 2005 when I got appointed to be in Gilbert. So I've got that going for me, but yeah, dude, there's, there's probably 20 agents within three mile radius, all independents. Yeah. Crazy. That's, it, that's nuts. We, you know, we, 
We don't have that. I would say, you know what I think probably, again, we probably drive by 90% of them and not even realize they're there because it's, there, there are, I, I was actually thinking about this when I was driving out your way last night, Kyle, I drove when I was driving up, um, 54 yeah. to go toward, towards your house. I looked, there were like every strip mall had an agency in it. I didn't, I saw right. a farm bureau agency. I didn't even know I, we had farm bureau. <laughs> But I mean, these are things that like we don't compete against. We don't see this stuff on a regular basis, and so we don't really we don't really care about. So it's they're probably yeah. there. It's just we don't really notice them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. luckily, in um, starting in '05, you know, the last three years, we really had a hard focus on Google reviews, which has helped with the SEO. But if you if you um, search any kind of insurance, anything, we pop up. I mean, we've got over 750 five-star Google reviews. So, I mean, it's we've never come Huge. up against anybody else. Like that. You know, I think the closest competitor is at like under 200 or, you know, or something like are that. Are you using any technology for that? Are you using Podium or something? Or are you? We, we never did up until I just signed up with Podium at the beginning of the year or December just to make things easier for my team. Um, but, I mean, we got the first 600 and some reviews just me – getting my team back enough, you know, buying in on it. So how did you go about that? What, I mean, that to get that many man and not have a technology partner driving that process, what did that look like? I mean, I think a lot of people can learn from that for sure. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I started it out where just, you know, you got to get them to buy in somehow you tell them the importance. It's a long play, you know, game. So I would give them a $20, you know, bonus for every Google review that they got. And I'd make it a quarterly bonus. That way I can renew that bonus every quarter. So it's not just ongoing. So if they do really well for a quarter, I just kept it going. I think it was only like three quarters with those bonuses. And then I pulled back the bonus. But by then it was habit for them. And they were starting to see the ROI on it when people are calling them. Hey, I saw this Google review with your name. You know, So then they just bought in. And then we had team bonuses when we'd hit a certain 250 or 500 where I'd take them out to either lunch or we'd go golfing at top golf or we'd do a happy hour. So they'd all get rally behind that and push each other. So finally it's just gotten to be where it's just second nature and everything. And podiums just made all that easier though. How has that impacted you? Because I mean, again, here's another technology that people talk about and half the people think it's great. The other other half of the people think it's too expensive you know, and again, I don't listen to anybody when it comes to that stuff because typically, when an agency principal tells me something's too expensive, it just tells me they didn't know how to use it right. But yeah. you know, I, I I'm interested in what it's done to really um, h- how you've used it to help you because I've not I don't really understand a hundred percent how their technology works because mm-hmm. it's not something that I think is necessarily again applicable. Maybe if we're, you know, when we're ready to start really going 90 to nothing and building out personal lines, it would make more sense. I just don't expect any of my clients to go do Google reviews and things like that for me. If, if, If I'm talking to somebody, I have a set list of my clients that I know I have their permission to say, call this guy. He'll happily give you, you know, some insight as to how we operate or whatever else. But, but I'm interested in exactly, you know, how you're using it and what it's done for you. Absolutely. It's, um, I mean, we, we've got our VoIP system, which is ring central. So everybody had access and the ability to do texting. 
However, I was finding that my team wasn't really utilizing it on Ring Central. So I needed a platform to make it easy for them. And then what I was finding, those that were using it, okay, they'd be texting the sales agent through the sales process. But then once that sales agent's done, I have a service team that's going to handle them. You know, and then I have a renewal team at the renewal that handles them. So, you know, they didn't know who they were texting. It was a different number for everybody. Well, Podium is just one texting number to the agency, and then you own that text string, okay? So the salesperson owns that text string throughout the sales cycle. And then when they're done, they can reassign it to a service team member so that any texting from that customer later on down the road will go to that person, the service team person, who's 90% of the time, they're going to be the ones that need to handle it. And then, you know, at renewal, they can reassign it to a renewal team member. Um, so that's made it super easy. The templates just boom. Hey, after the sales process, we've got a process now that they, uh, you know, they send them a thank you text because everybody knows everybody's checking their texts more than emails nowadays. So that's a lot of most of our communication. Now you know, we send them a template asking them for a Google review and all they got to do is click on the link. It pops up the five stars with a little dialogue box that they can type. So it's just made that journey for the customer easier and it's made it easier for my sales team. Yeah. So I don't want to make, turn this into a commercial for podium, but, but I'm interested what happens if, so you default it to a five-star review. What happens if they put two stars? Does it publish or does it alert somebody to go try and save it? It alerts me. Yeah. It alerts us. So you have the ability to go try and, and, and fix the problem before it actually gets published as a, is a negative yeah. review. Yeah, I I believe I I don't think it I don't think it publishes honestly. Luckily, I haven't had that happen yet. Right. You know, um, but yeah, I don't believe it publishes. But I do know for a fact I get alerted. So let me ask you this: as far as the text number goes, is it using the agency number as the number that you're texting, or is it a dedicated number specific to the texting? It's supposed to be the agency number. I will say after I signed up, this was a huge negative for me. Um, it wasn't forthright when I signed up with them. They were evidently, there's a legal battle going on. And I don't understand how all the VoIP systems work with the phone numbers and ownership and all that, but they couldn't get my main agency number over for the texting because there was a lawsuit going on between somebody. Hmm. Um, recently, I've been told that that lawsuit's over and we should be able to get it switched over you know, at some point, but I'm still trying to work through that. So currently it is just a dedicated text number, but it's, a, it's supposed to be your agency number depending on the voice. Right. Yeah. See, we have a, the way that we have to do texting right now is through third party application that integrates with HubSpot. So it's, it's its own number, but I get the alerts on my phone. I get my alerts in HubSpot and I get an email telling me that I've got a text. I'm not going to miss it, but it would be nice. You know, to me, it would be nice if it was just the general, general number for the agency that the uh, people were using. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what's the biggest win you've had, man? We talked about the worst thing that's happened to you dealing with the chargebacks and all of that. What's the, what's the biggest win you've had since you've had your agency? Oh, man, I'd say the biggest win, dude, you learn a lot about yourself when you start up a business. Um, there's a lot of things that through the business ups and downs and, you know, before I wouldn't have thought that I would have been able to get through it or get back up. You know, it just it's made you stronger. Um, plus, when I first started, I thought, you know what, I was in an 800 square foot office that I bought. I'm like, okay, I can get three people in this office. I'm going to be good. I'm going to get three people. I'm just going to coast. That's going to be, you know, life. 
dude, here I'm at 10, looking at trying to double in the next three years. You know, you just keep growing. So for me, it was just that definition of success that just keeps getting pushed back, you know, keeps getting further and further out there, you know. So, you know, one day you just kind of pat yourself on the back and kind of surprise at what you've done, what you've accomplished and the it's, number of lives that you've changed. It's, it's, a, it's a lot easier to look back and recognize that than it is to see it when you're in the middle of it. Because I can Absolutely. tell you, man, I have never talked to a single agency owner that said, oh, yeah, man, it was a breeze. Just jumped in, immediately started writing business, crushed it. Everybody paid yeah. on time. Nobody canceled. Minimum right. earned premium. No, they don't even have that in my state. Like, yeah. no, that's, that, that's never happened, right? Every single yeah. one of us, I would say, have gone through the exact same issues, the exact same struggles. They may be modified a little bit depending on the size and shape of your agency, but, you know, it the one thing I'll say is you have the ability. I, I think that the insurance industry is an independent agent by and large is relatively forgiving, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get punished. Don't get me wrong. Like you're, you're going to get wailed on if you do things not right. But at the same time, you have the ability to recuperate and recover. You know, you can go out like you, you might have a negative cash event. It was a big problem. Okay. Well, you still have the ability to go out that next month and find an account. That's going to give you a good chunk of commission to make up for it. I don't know very many, very many other industries like that. You know, if you, if you're in retail, you can't work more hours. You, you know, you can't work harder. You're, you're toast. You know, if you're in a restaurant, same thing with, with this, you know, the margins are so good that if you, if you do screw up, you can. It's not necessarily going to completely put you out of business. Now, right? You know, when you have companies that owe you over a hundred thousand dollars, it gets a little dicey every now and again. But you know, by and large, I think that we have the ability to recover from our mistakes relatively gracefully. Yeah, for sure. Like, what's what's Cass call it? The God's uh, greatest industry he's ever created, or something like that. I don't know. What's he? What is he calling it this week? Yeah. <laughs> Cass has got a flavor of the week every week, man. That he cracks he cracks me up. <laughs> yeah. Definitely an awesome industry though to be in. You know, everybody falls into it backwards, but it pays off. So I got one more question and then we'll wrap up because we're coming up, you know, pretty close to being on an hour. What's the one piece of advice, or if you've got more than one, that you would give to anybody out there that's looking to get into the industry or just got into the industry? What what would you tell them? you think the most important thing is for them? I would say um, join a group that allows you to see what all's out there. It was huge for me to wake up one morning in 2016, I believe, and find out that there's a support group out there like IAOA, you know, with a bunch of agency owners that can help you out that have been there and done that. A lot of people willing to mentor you and help you. Um, that helped me out tremendously after – 10 or 12 years of just putting those, the grindstone and just blocking everything out. Um, and then aside from that, focus on niches. Don't, don't be a generalist. Like I freaking did, man. It's tough. You know, it's interesting. I, I agree with you that finding IAOA and insurance, you know, agency intelligence, Cass's mm-hmm. mastermind group and all of that going to innovation, going to brain share, those things definitely have been, you know, vital for me just from a networking standpoint and, and, and talking shop with people and, and, you know, making, making new friends from across the country. 
I would give some caution to people that when you get involved in those, um, you know, types of groups, the one thing I'll tell you is if you do have questions, qualify your question and qualify the responses that you get, because there are people out there that are going to, you know, there's people that I, quite frankly, I wonder how much revenue their agency does because they're always the first one to comment on a Facebook post or whatever. But what I mean by that is if you have a question about systems for your agency or products that you want to use or whatever else, tell everybody, this is what type of agency I have in terms of business. You know, I'm a $1 million revenue agency with 65% commercial, 35% uh, personal lines. And I've been in business for five years with 10 employees. We're looking at making a move to XYZ product. What would your advice be? I don't care what the one man life guy has to say about it. You know, that guy's not even qualified to answer that question, but yet you've, that's what happens. You run through and you've got so many people that, that answer things. And then you're, you're like, Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Well, actually it's a horrible idea because it doesn't fit your agency. And that's, that's one of the biggest things. Yeah. That's, that's one thing that I always have to do. And I, I try and do it even when I answer and say, look, here's here's where I'm coming from. This is this is what I do. This is why I'm answering the way that I'm answering. But there's a lot of people out there that'll just freaking <laughs> just throw their two cents in, and oh, it's worthless. Sure. Yeah, that's, I've that's I've mentored today, man. over the last three four years, and I've I've mimicked that same thought. I'm like, just be careful on a lot of responses. Bet them out. You know, ask more questions on a sidebar or something. Make sure it's the right answer, the right kind of agency that you're getting the advice from, for sure. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, and the other thing that cracks me up is there's a lot of people out there spouting off advice, like they're running multi-million dollar shops and their agencies are smaller than the people that are asking the questions. They've not even been down that road before. Now, those are a couple of negatives. There's way too many positives to dwell on that. So, I mean, I don't, I don't want to act like we're throwing off on any of the back channel groups. I actually just published a post this morning about making mentorship a priority because I think that's something that we all need to do, whether we're mentoring other people or we still have people that are our mentors, you should never stop growing. And I think that of any industry out there, this is one of them that gives you the opportunity to do that with relative ease. For sure, man, for sure. Well, listen, man, we are, uh, we're just about up on time. I want to thank you for coming on. I, I appreciate you spending some time chatting with us. How can they get a hold of you, man? If people are like, I need more Cameron Brown in my life, how can I talk to him? I need to get in touch with him immediately. How do yeah. they do that? They can, uh, direct message me on uh, Facebook or shoot me an email at Cameron at IBOAZ.com. I'd be happy to help however I can. Good deal. Well, you heard it from him, people. You know, I'm going to not hold it against him that he thinks blue and gold is for Michigan and not Florida Risk Partners. But, you know, maybe maybe one day Kyle will get his lucky wish and we'll rebrand to, you know, the the red and gray, garnet and gray, whatever it is. Scarlet and gray. You know, I was born in Ohio, man, and I don't even pay attention to it. 90% of my family graduated from that institution, and I couldn't get away from it fast enough. Awesome. No, you're right. right. We'll talk soon, Cameron. Thanks again, brother. See you guys. 
You've been listening to the Power Producers Podcast. You can follow Killing Commercial Insurance on Facebook and YouTube. And if you want to take your game to the next level, next level, check out our book, The Extra Two Minutes, and our website, killingcommercial.com. 